Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's not really young or scrappy, but is sure hungry, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, (laughs) and I've got my right-hand man back. It's Andrew Ormsby. Hey. Hi. Uh, Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome back. She'll be back. Time will tell. We remembered that she served us well. It's Lo. Whoa. I could not ask for a better introduction. (laughs) Uh, it is indeed a pleasure to have you back, Lo. Um, you, the last we were talking uh, in the member show, the pre-show, that the last time you were on was for Detective Pikachu, um, yeah. which just over a year ago. And uh, so we chatted a little bit about your voice acting career that you're getting going right now and D&D stuff that you're playing and all sorts of fun stuff that's going on. So we're excited to, to have you back. Thanks. Glad to be back. Um, go ahead and shout out. I'll go ahead and shout out now um, the D and D content thing that you're doing, so people can yeah. have it right here at the top, and then we'll mention it again uh, at the end of the show too, just so people can kind of follow you. It's called Rolling with Lag because there are uh, the four main people that are part of it are from different parts of the world. Two of them are in Wales. One of them, where is John? Alabama? I think he lives in Alabama. (laughs) I'm in Southern California. I should know this. These people are some of my best friends. But we've all played D&D together and uh, like privately, and we decided to start doing some streaming stuff. So yeah, rolling with lag because there is sometimes lag when you're streaming. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. You not realizing where people is from. It's kind of this new world we live in. It's kind of a normal thing. When you're connecting with people online all the time instead of in person, it's just like people are in my house. They don't live somewhere else. They're just right there on my laptop. You know, so you know. Is it Arkansas though? You know, it's an A state. <laughs> He's gonna make fun of me. Well, for there's this. it's okay. <laughs> Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, and Arkansas. So it's not Alaska or Arizona. Okay. So I know that. All right. Well, I, the good thing is Alabama and Arkansas are somewhat close geographically. So, you know, you're, yeah. you're probably in the right region. In the grand uh, scheme of the globe. Yeah, they're fairly close. <laughs> That's right. When you look at uh, the galaxy, uh, yeah. they're, they're, lo- oh, yeah. they're located very closely together. Uh, the farther out you zoom, the more amazing it gets. Uh, well, we are excited to have you back. Uh, always love it when you're on. Uh, I know you talk a lot on your Twitter feed about Hamilton, which we'll be talking about today, so I'm excited for your insight on that. 
Um, we've also got a Char- uh, Charlize movie today, so I'm excited uh, for your insight oh, on. This is my second Charlize movie that I reviewed mm-hmm. with you guys. Yeah, yeah, we did Look Tully. We did Tully together, so <laughs> it's just like a trend. And I cried. You cried <laughs> in that one. Of crying, too. I cried on that episode. Yes, you did. You did. That's right. You just you just let it out. If it needs to come out, you just let it out. Uh, I will. Ugh. Hamilton just moves me to tears. You know what? You're you're not kidding. I've watched it three times. I've cried every time. Um, <laughs> and that's that's not a joke. That's not an exaggeration. I just and we'll talk more about that. Uh, but it just it gets me every single time. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about that stuff. We'll of course do some uh, best ever challenging on best ever movies adapted from the stage. That is a big old group of movies. I'm excited to talk about uh, some of our favorites from that. And then, of course, we've got some buried treasure uh, that we'll do um, as well. So we've got a lot to cover. So if you guys don't mind, Andrew, unless you have anything pressing here at the beginning. Oh, no. Let's get right into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll get right into talking about the movies, and we'll kick it off with Hamilton. The $10 found a father without a father. Got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter. The original Broadway production of the award-winning musical that tells the story of Alexander Hamilton, first secretary of the Treasury, blending hip-hop, jazz, R&B, and Broadway styles, filmed from the Richard Rogers Theater in New York. Now, this was filmed over a a few performances with a live audience, as well as pickups without the audience uh, for some of the scenes where they wanted to do different kind of camera angles, those kind of things. Which leaves it in this interesting category of movie or just filming a stage production. Uh, I think the Academy has decided it is not uh, eligible for any kind of awards this year. Um, so they have not Which put Which I get. Yeah, I get it too. I get it too. They, they specifically have rules about that kind of stuff. Um, but it certainly is for us here at Sif Pop. Uh, we count it as a movie because uh, you can watch it as a movie. So let's talk about it. Uh, Lo, tell us about the movie version of Hamilton. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Oh, love it. Like, top, top, top. I, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will go with, uh, with high side of love it, which is not something I say often. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely love, love, love this. And I save Andrew for last because we should mention of the three of us, Andrew is the one who is experiencing it for the first time through Disney+. Wow. Plus. So yep. we do have a newbie. We do have a, a, a Hamilton virgin, so to speak. And I never listened to the the soundtrack or anything before this either. So. Okay, okay. So, uh, Andrew, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or was it just okay? Well, you know, you always got all these people who are saying this is the greatest you know, musical of all time and stuff like that, really hyping it up. And I go into it with super high expectations, and uh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I really love it. You know, and that's, so and that's, good. 
and that's interesting for you too because you're not a musical guy either like usually musicals no. aren't your necessarily cup of tea so i was really curious to see how this hit you so lo if you don't mind i'm going to start with andrew's thoughts just because oh, go for you know it. he's kind of fresh in them and my thoughts are going to be boring and positive <laughs> yeah probably mine too uh <laughs> andrew what so yeah walk us through kind of your experience with watching it what you thought about it what are some of the things you liked didn't like all that stuff well, uh, it was last week whenever we decided we were going to watch this, and uh, I said, don't worry, I'm going to watch it this week, and uh, I started to watch it as soon as that uh, the stream ended, and as soon as I hit play and I saw the runtime of two hours and 40 minutes, I'm like, oh no, no, I gotta wait, <laughs> because it's something that, you know, you can't just turn on, you really have to dedicate a specific amount of time to, Sure. and uh, uh, I'm not going to lie, when it first started... It took me a while to get into the groove, or a little bit to get into the groove of it all, because not really being a hip-hop head, not saying that I don't like it, it's that it's difficult for me sometimes to like follow the lyrically what's going on, mm -hmm. like to understand what they're saying. But then it only took me like 10 minutes to like fall into that, and then I you know, was able to keep up with everything, and then... After that, I was just on a journey, man, and I had a, a blast from beginning to end. Um, I will say this right uh, right now, since we'll probably get into stuff pretty quickly. We are not going to worry about spoilers with this. Um, it has both the fact that it is a historical adaptation, um, and so you know, and it's also been around for a while. And the sound people listen to the soundtrack. If you haven't, if you are in Andrew's position and haven't listened to the, hadn't listened to the soundtrack. Or seen the the movie? Just you know, be warned. We are going to talk about plot specific things, character specific things. We're not we're not going to worry about spoilers uh, through this. Uh, Andrew, what were some of those moments? What were some of your favorite things? Uh, King George is hilarious. Mm -hmm. I love. Uh, is it uh, Jonathan Groff? Is that is that his yep. name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Broadway's own. Yeah, he's a uh, Kristoff in uh, the Frozen movies. I know that. But uh, I also love, man, I think that every single person, I know this is the original cast, uh, but every single person was perfectly, you know, perfectly cast. I will say uh, the one character that really, uh, like, hit me hard, like, emotionally is, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, forgive me, I'm going to mispronounce her name, but is it Philippa Sue? Mm -hmm. Who plays yeah. Eliza Hamilton? Oh my gosh, what a voice she has! Yeah, she has a set of lungs on her that just floored me. And the the ending of this, uh, the play, like the last ten minutes, she had me weeping. Yep, exactly. weeping. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really it's a really tricky thing, and I I don't know if we want to start there. We can we can start wherever <laughs> we want. Um, but uh, but that that ending, I, I guess I it, is it weird to call it a twist ending? Is that weird? It feels like it's kind of a twist ending because the the focus shifts so quickly to this other part of the story that we didn't realize was was kind of the heart of the story. You know, we've been distracted mm -hmm. by hearing about you know Alexander Hamilton that we didn't realize Eliza really was the soul of this you know production. And so that that twist at the end gets me every time. the 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 second she says the orphanage, I'm just gone. Oh, I'm just yeah. 
it's like it's just so beautiful uh in it and by the way that the i'm sorry this is going to happen though we'll probably go through this too you just keep rambling about the stuff you love about this but (laughs) the the orphanage moment is very close uh structurally to the forgiveness moment like where everything kind Mm. of settles down inside and it's almost the same chord ish per you know um uh, procession there and so both of those moments just uh just really get me but yeah I'm, I'm with you i was definitely crying at the end for sure how does how does the end uh hit you lo oh, i mean i've okay i've listened to this soundtrack easily 200 times probably more i've seen it twice on stage not on broadway just the touring production but still like oh so so amazing I will say that this time, even though it was only my third time, like, visually seeing it, it didn't hit me quite as hard. But at a certain point, you get a little desensitized. I wasn't crying, but it's still just, oh, it's so beautiful. And I love that we spend the whole musical kind of showing Hamilton specifically hyping himself up and hyping his own stuff up and being like, I'm amazing. I'm going to do amazing things. And then we get to Eliza and it's just this laundry list of things that she did. But she's like embarrassed about it. Like, she's like, oh, like, can I show you what I'm proudest of? Like, is that okay? Like, she's just such a different character than Mm -hmm. Hamilton. And like, I feel like after like, you know, maybe the first time I listened to it all the way through or just maybe the second time, I'm not sure exactly when I picked up on it. All of the subsequent listenings and viewings have been filtered through this lens of Eliza's the main character mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. She's the character that I see as the hero because, I mean, obviously historically, but even in this play where they sort of sanitize stuff, none of the founding fathers are good people. They right. sometimes do good things, but they're all kind of jerks. Yeah. And to see all this stuff happen to Eliza and her to come through and her to be the one that's like, I'm going to tell this story because that's based on reality. She she was a huge supporter of Alex long after his death. And um, I think it was one of her daughters, maybe a son, one of her children ended up writing the biography of Alex. And like because she was so passionate about it, but like they had taken up her cause after she died. And like to put that in the musical is like, mm, ooh, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, I uh, the first time I saw it was in Chicago with the Chicago cast. Uh, actually, the Alexander Hamilton that I saw is now the Hamilton on Broadway. Um, and uh, he was incredible. In fact, I don't know if it's a scandalous. I kind of prefer him to Lynn. Uh, and, you know, it's it's Lynn's thing and he's amazing and he's great. Uh, but man, this guy blew me away. But anyways, uh, the first time I saw it, I got to the end and there's the gasp moment and we can, you know, there's been a fun little internet thing going on with, you know, what that might mean, not mean. And my, and immediately it hit me, uh, like what I felt was that, that the fourth wall had just been broken. Like that yep. gasp to me was Eliza just saw this production and it blew her mind and she she was in the spotlight and she's been so humble she hasn't been seeking the spotlight and yet the spotlight found her and uh it just yeah and so it's hard for me to get away from the idea that this is about eliza and the idea that it's called hamilton uh because it's not necessarily alexander hamilton uh that the title refers to um so yeah, that was my immediate reaction. Upon watching it again a couple times on Disney Plus, um, you can kind of see the groundwork laid throughout 
uh, for that kind of idea. Lin himself has been very purposefully vague, which I think is exactly what he should be, um, because that is ambigu- uh, ambiguity is, I think, a really powerful storytelling device, especially uh, in a situation like this. So, um, yeah, that that end just it it always nails me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about performances. It's an easy thing to kind of uh, jump onto. This was my first time seeing uh, the original cast, and I, uh, you know, was very excited about that. I will also say because Andrew, you mentioned it, I actually turned subtitles on um, when I watched it this time because I I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything because I knew I missed some stuff in Chicago when I saw it. And uh, man, that was a good experience. If you haven't, like, possibly for Low, who is, you know, probably hasn't memorized, uh, doesn't need <laughs> subtitles. But if you don't have it memorized, I highly recommend, especially if you've seen it and you're worried about getting distracted by reading what's on the screen. I, I get that. But if you have already seen it, I highly recommend turning subtitles on because there's some really clever stuff going on uh, in the lyrics. I have that- it memorized. I still had the subtitles on, but <laughs> nice. that's more because that's more because I have deaf grandparents and just grew up around yeah. subtitles. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I have a good friend who's who's um, whose cry is normalized subtitles. You know, just make that a normal thing, and I totally totally get it. Um, but let's talk about the performances. Lo, I'm going to let you kick us off. Uh, what were some of your favorite performances? What did you like? Uh, who stands out for you? Um, well, this is uh, I don't want to like be all, I don't know, problematic here, but I, uh, I, this is not my first time seeing these people perform it. Take that how you will. Um, (laughs) uh, hmm. yeah. (laughs) Hmm. What could that mean? Um, but I, uh, so I'm not super new to these people performing it, but I, I have to say that I think every single person is the height of, like who could be cast as them and like anybody else who's coming in is just matching that height if they are as good, except for Lynn. Gosh, I love him to death. And he is such a brilliant writer. I feel exactly the same way about other things that he's been in that he's written where it's like, I get it. You're going to be the star for the Broadway run. But then you see other people and you hear other people sing some of Hamilton's songs. And it is astronomically better. I love him, but he just, he's like, I don't think that he would be on Broadway like without the fact that he was writing everything. So it's not a bad performance. It's certainly a unique performance, right? Because you're seeing all these people with powerhouse voices. And I think that his lack of a powerhouse voice does add something to Hamilton's character. So it's not all bad or anything. But but I do think that he, if we were to pick like a weak link, I would think that he's kind of the worst of all all around amazing performances, right? Like I'm not saying he's like Great. awful, 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 but he's definitely the the least, I would say. No, you're making me feel better about my take. Uh <laughs> because I definitely felt that way. And there were moments where he tried to do like the emotional sing and mm-hmm. just kind of didn't work. And it literally is the only negative thing I have to say about the experience. Like and it's not even that negative. But um but yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, I uh it, other than that, I mean, I like I can't even I guess Leslie Odom Jr. who plays Aaron Burr is phenomenal. Won the Tony. Absolutely deserved the Tony for his performance. And the room where it happens is some of the best just like visual 
music I've ever seen. And as a dancer, I like I always grab on to unique and exciting choreography. And the dancers in that are doing great. It's like it's like weird choreography, but I love it. Like it's kind of Fosse inspired and uh Room Where It Happens is so freaking good. <laughs> I love it so much. And Leslie Odom Jr. for me is the top. If if poor Lynn doing a really good job, but just not as good as everybody else is the bottom, I would say that that Leslie Odom Jr. is for me the best performance in the musical. Andrew, what did you think about the performances? What were some of your standouts either way? Uh I don't know if it's just my bias because I love him so much, but David Diggs is just great. Mm. Yeah. He's so great. Uh, I love how uh, uh, the cast played multiple characters. I didn't. I, I didn't know that going into this. Like I didn't know David Diggs was going to play both uh, Marquis Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, or that uh, uh, Anthony Ramos was going to play John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has multiple roles, and how the multiple roles impact the story. Like all these guys who were uh, playing the roles of like uh, Hamilton's closest friends in the second half play his his enemies. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, it's I, interesting. While while you're on that point, and Lo, you you probably know this too, but it's it's the the very beginning of the musical mm-hmm. has this beautiful thing where everybody kind of introduces themselves and uh um david diggs and um i'm trying to think uh yeah yeah they they say they say we fought with him well that can be interpreted both in the first half and the second Mm. half we fought with him we fought with him um it can go either way and then of course anthony ramos says uh i died for him and he does he dies for him in both halves um so you know it's it's kind of one of those and then me i loved him does it too because right obviously eliza and angelica we see that firsthand but we also see the girl who plays peggy and mariah Mm -hmm. saying yeah i loved him yeah exactly so yeah it's it's kind of a a beautiful little um wink there that lynn does he's uh, he's a genius can we just say he's a genius he's just a writing genius he really is absolutely it's it's brilliant but continue andrew i I cut you off because i wanted to kind of put that in there (laughs) no 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 no. you're you're absolutely right yeah david diggs he's a huge standard for me like i already said jonathan groff uh uh jonathan groff brought a little bit of lightheartedness to an otherwise kind of heavy I mean, there are some laughs here and there, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, the the subject matter is, you know, really important and uh, captivating. But having King George just be a goof, you know, it, it gives you a, a time a second to breathe. Yeah, which I love. Um, before we move on to other performances, if I don't mention it now, uh, I I'll, I'll forget about it. But my favorite part of the entire play is a uh, cabinet meetings mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh, I, I totally get that and apparently there was a third cabinet meeting um that got cut that i guess you can find places i've never never seen it low well, you- there's so many cut songs and most of them have been either officially released or like there's bootlegs of them lynn has released so much music like just music of hymns like singing all the parts of certain songs and verses that got cut or reworked and also, like, they would bring actors in and re-record them, like, after Hamilton had had premiered and everything, just being like, hey, here's a cut song for Angelica, and, like, making a really nice version of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, I echo everything you guys have said. Since you mentioned Angelica, I'll just say for me, uh, Renee is the standout singer. I she mm. blows my mind when she sings. I just uh, she's doing stuff in in this that I I was not expecting. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned David because the um, the Lafayette Jefferson that I saw in Chicago. I wasn't that impressed with, and I was like, this character isn't really that well written. It's hard to understand when he's trying to do the French act, and then uh, David came out and just slayed it, and I finally understood that character, which was mm. great, um, and he kind of steals like all the scenes he's in, uh, and I just, I, I really love that performance, so I'm glad you mentioned that too, and I can't believe the first place I ever saw uh, Jonathan Groff was Mindhunter, uh, because he is so different in that show <laughs> than he is as you King saw, George. You saw Mindhunter before you saw The Frozens? Um, that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, I didn't see him in Frozen. I oh, heard his see voice. See him. See yeah, him. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah. So. Uh, he he's not as a uh, silly in Mindhunter as he is. No, he's great though. He's a really oh, yeah, great yeah, yeah, actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, but yeah, performances are absolutely spectacular. Uh, all I also of- want to miss and mention Chris Jackson, who plays yes. George Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really embodies that role uh, very, very yeah. well. Um, what about moments? Uh, Lo, why don't you kick us off? What are some of your favorite moments? And maybe oh maybe gosh. keep it to 130 or so. Um, you know, just- <laughs> I'll try. I mean, it's going to be tough. But uh, um, I love Hurricane. Um, the lighting and uh, honestly, just real quick, the lighting in this show, another Tony that they won well-deserved it's Mm -hmm. so good the stories and the way that they take this stage that is very simple has almost no set pieces like minimal props and turn it into separate rooms and just yeah the lighting is amazing um but yeah hurricane is one of my favorite moments in the show i just i love the slow whirl of everything in his life all of the different actors are on stage whirling around him i love that mariah hands him the quill to start writing the reynolds pamphlet mm-hmm. like i just everything about that specific moment is so haunting and spooky and you feel hamilton's desperation all the while you're saying no no don't do this like ah like this is the worst possible reaction to this situation but you also kind of like feel for him and see where he's coming from. I just think it's brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, choreographed, lit. It's all so, so, so good. That's definitely mm-hmm. my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andrew, do you have a, a moment uh, besides King George that you wanted to shout out? Uh, also, yeah, I did the cabinet meetings, uh, but also uh, at the very end, whenever Aaron Burr finally uh, pulls the trigger, you have, I think her name is Ariana DeBose, who is acting the as the bullet yeah you know slowly traveling towards him it it just brings this sense of you know your life flashing before your eyes your 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 dreams your regrets everything you know and the way i love how the stage was set up to where the center of it you know was on like this uh, rotary system where the, the stage would rotate so you would get the full 360 experience of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really love that. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I love I love the part where they sing. Let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we haven't mentioned that this is this is kind of a rock opera. Like they don't speak much. It's almost all sung. It's uh, sung through. Yeah, is the technical musical term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's 
That's why I like it, because my big beef with musicals is I don't like the transition, mainly for movies, I should say that. The transition from, you know, talking normally, and then all of a sudden everybody in the world knows the choreography (laughs) and the lyrics to something. Whereas this is something where the entire thing is that, so it's easier to uh, fall into. I just don't like that transition, I guess, for most musicals. Where, which is... Yeah, which, let's normal talk, normal talk, normal talk, and then, oh, we all know the lyrics. <laughs> which is why you're such a huge fan of Les Mis, right? Like, that's... Yes. <laughs> it's love Les Mis so much. Oh, Russell Crowe, you nailed it. Uh, the uh, the moment I'm going to shout out is the one-two punch of Helpless and Satisfied. Uh, oh, so good. It, it's, just, it, it's just such a unique concept that I don't know I've ever seen executed this well of doing a flashback within a stage production, and it's immediate. And, of course, I mentioned Loving Renee's voice. She kills that song. Um, and so, yeah, so kind of that one-two back-to-back of from both the Schuyler sisters, um, the important Schuyler sisters. Sorry, Peggy. Uh, the, <laughs> and Peggy. <laughs> the, the back-to-back of them having their, their interpretation of this moment, uh, I really love. I just, I love that moment. Um, the, let's talk about the adaptation part of this. Mm. Um, Andrew, how did you feel? Well, you never saw it like on the stage. This is your only experience, right? Mm-hmm. How did it feel to you as a movie? Do you feel like, you know, how did that experience feel? I never actually felt like I was watching a movie. I felt like I was just watching uh, a play. I, I think that the, uh, as the, I guess it's weird to say, the, uh, the they filmed it so well that it didn't feel like I was watching a movie. Like, I, I felt like I was there watching a play. So, I guess the, good job on that part it's but i don't have anything to compare it to i'm sure that if i was in a room with an audience and i was getting the full authentic vocals of everything it would hit me a lot harder but you know i think with technology as it is today you can get pretty close to that so but like i said I i wish i had something to compare it to but well, at the same time, my first experience with Hamilton was with the original cast. I, you can't say the same thing. <laughs> right. No, that's true. That's for sure true. Yeah. Lo, how did you feel they did uh, adapting the stage to screen? Did you notice anything? Um, well, I loved some of the little like pickup shots that they did. Where There's one shot where they were showing um, uh, George Washington like from the back, which was a really cool, unique shot that... like. I I agree that they kept it very much like this is a play, but the little, the little inserts that they did, some of the close-ups, some of the cool camera moves, which I think they used sparingly to great effect. Like every time that there was a sort of unique, like top-down view or, or like a crane shot or, you know, just any, or a shot from the wings, like something that made it a slightly different angle, they used it to really punctuate like important moments and I, yeah, I think that they didn't go over the top with it. They didn't try to make it into like a movie movie. They were filming a stage production and did what they could to elevate it to kind of the best filmed version of a stage production it can be. I will say as someone who is very passionate about making theater accessible for all, because it's a very, not to get all soapboxy, but it's like a very, um, 
elitist thing to be into because it is so expensive to see shows, especially Hamilton, that I love that they put so much care into making a high quality filmed version of this to make it accessible to people who may never get the opportunity or even if they have the opportunity may not be able to afford to drop even for I mean when I saw it I was in like the back 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 of the balcony and I think we paid six hundred dollars for the like each ticket like it's expensive and that was a tour production wow like it's you know it calms down over time but it's expensive, and yeah. I think that this, more than anything, more than it being a great filmed production, is I'm just glad that something that is so amazing and so, uh, I don't know, it just deserved to be seen by anyone who can who wants to see it, so I'm glad that it's much more accessible now. And I'm, I hope uh, I'm looking up the ticket prices because I never knew how expensive they were. Thousands of dollars people spent... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, especially that's, on Broadway. And certainly crazy. Hamilton is an outlier. A lot of Broadway shows don't get that expensive, but you're looking at $60, $70, $100 for nosebleed tickets on pretty much anything on Broadway. And we should mention uh, Hamilton did a, a lottery thing that I thought was really cool where there were lower price tickets that were drawn for. Uh, every- Most Broadway shows actually do that. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. think that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad they do that. Um, yeah, I, I echo everything you said. I, I hope that this results in more Broadway shows thinking about this Me and too. doing this um, because I know I need a Dear Evan Hansen uh, on oh, my Disney Plus right now. I saw so. it on tour. It will... Have you seen it? I have not. No. It will murder you. It's so <laughs> it's devastating. You think Hamilton makes you cry? Oof. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I I have heard some of the songs, uh, but I I have not uh, seen it at all. But I just say that I bring that one specifically up because uh, that one, or even Book of Mormon, or just all these huge hits on Broadway that. You know, if they don't ever come to a format that um, can, uh, you know, permeate like this, they there's just there's not much of an opportunity to see them. And this format, I think, lends itself very well. Just filming the stage show. We don't need to make everything into a fully uh, filmed musical. (laughs) Cats. (laughs) Um, So I think that this shows that. Yes, some things can translate very well, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah, and just to, um, just to spoil really it, musicals. just to spoil it, I'm sure we all had Cats as our number one best ever uh, adapted from <laughs> oh, the stage. It's so every spot filled with cats. <laughs> That's right. It's just um, all cats. Uh, yeah, so, I love some of yeah, those. I, good. I, I love some oh, of those. No, you're good. You're good. I love some of those hero shots as well that they Mm -hmm. inserted where they really use the emotion of the music at very specific and like like you said, not overused, but just very specific moments where they will use the camera in a different way to kind of make it even feel a little more intense. And just seeing the actors that close up uh, is in itself a revelation. So I was definitely glad to see it. Uh, Any other thoughts? That we want to get on the table before we kind of finish out uh, our Hamilton conversation. Uh, I think I'm, I'm good. good. All right, we said it. We said everything <laughs> we needed to say. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, all right, yeah. I would just uh, sum it up this way: if you haven't seen it, 
I know the hype is is really big. Um, I know there's been a, a little bit. Maybe that'll be my kind of one last thought. I'll talk a little bit about the controversy recently, and we'll, mm. we'll kind of yeah, uh, close. You know, speaking about that. But I will say before I get into that, uh, I think it is it is a piece of art that it it um, it demands your attention. It's kind of one of those things, and maybe you won't like it. Certainly, there are people who don't like it. That's that's not the point, but. Um, it is one of those those pieces of art that I think will stand the test of time, and and there's there's definitely glimpses of genius throughout it. So it's high high recommend I think from all of us. Uh, yeah, just briefly, we'll talk a little bit about obviously the fact that our founding fathers uh, were not great humans in a lot of their practices, uh, including no. including slavery, those kind of things. Uh, and that this uh, production started when Obama was president and not Trump, and that has its own. Uh, ways that you view things through the lens of today is very different than the lens of five years ago or six years ago. And so uh, kind of re-litigating uh, is the wrong word, but reprocessing that in our current uh, climate with so many of the things. Recontextualizing. Yeah, that's the word. That's exactly the word. Recontextualizing that in our current climate um, does become problematic. And I love that Lynn himself is saying, yes, please, let's talk about this. Let's recontextualize it. Let's, you know, this is all valid. This is all fair. And, you know, for me, when I look at it, and again, I am not really the voice to speak on this, uh, but because I am on this podcast, I will kind of say my thoughts. Um, my, uh, for me, this has always been a story about toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. I have, I have not seen these, uh, men in this musical as saying, honor these men, put them on pedestals. Uh, I've seen them be jerks and arrogant and, you know, there's, there's a real interesting thing that Lynn has done. I, I think with, uh, really building it into kind of a hip hop environment where I see a lot of the same things in hip hop music too, of the toxic masculinity, the arrogance, the, you know, uh, the violence, all that kind of stuff. And I, I never felt like he was saying, these are awesome people. And, uh, and so for me, when I hear those criticisms, I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm already there. Like I, I, I didn't feel like he was, you know, I think the the thing that that is rightly being discussed is the lack of conversation about slavery or those kind of things in the musical. Um, you know, it's it's there and just kind of spoken passing. at a couple times, yeah, and passing. So, do either of you have any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I've yes, you're on right. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair I enough. would say I would say that. Um, it it's absolutely yes like recontextualizing it and i think all art can always be viewed through the lens of when it was created and through the lens of now and those things don't have to be mutually exclusive um and i again like i am also just a white person that obviously is not the be all end all on this subject of slavery mm-hmm. um but I, I, for me, never was like, oh, man, I love Alexander Hamilton now. He's my political hero or even George Washington or anyone. It is absolutely sanitized. But I would say I knew next to nothing about, I don't know, James Madison or Thomas Jefferson before this musical. I had absolutely never heard of Alexander Hamilton. And he's on our money. Like, <laughs> right. like. I think I'd probably heard his name, but I knew nothing about them other than like, oh, you know, past presidents, like they're in a list of names. And I would say that my opinion went from being neutral to being negative 
on right. all of these people. And that's just me. And I know that for some people, they're going to see the positives of these characters, which there are positives. It is, I've used the word sanitized a bunch of times already, but it is a little sanitized. But for me, I still come out with like a net negative toward the historical people. Yeah. Of like, yep, these people are not just, you know, stone busts sitting in a museum of great American heroes anymore. They're like people that had actual real problems and it does humanize them a bit. So I can see how that can be a little of like a, for people who were very aware of Thomas Jefferson's notorious, awful past with his slaves, including female slaves. And, you know, I was not aware of that. And I am now not because of this musical, but like indirectly because of it, because I've done more research now. So it has its positives and its negatives and you got to kind of take the good with the bad and make decisions for yourself as to if it's, I don't know, something you want to consume or not and something you want to like how you want to view it and digest it. Yeah. You take the good, you take the bad, take it all. And there you have the facts of life. That's what I've always <laughs> heard. Um, I think it's valuable and I'm, I'm glad Lynn himself continues to say, yes, this is valuable. Let's keep talking about that. Um, that's just such a, a beautiful place to be as a creator, not to get defensive, but to um, embrace uh, the mm-hmm. conversation. So um, great stuff. Uh, if you can't tell by us spending like an hour talking about it, we, we definitely <laughs> think it's it's worth your time. Uh, it's fine. It's you know. OK. I mean, you know. Uh, all right. Let's move on. Let's talk about the old guard. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers. Fighters. Like you. With an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Mother? Let's just say we're very hard to kill. Before I do the byline on the old guard, I will say, you know me, I hate spoilers. I hate the idea of being spoiled on things. And the way this movie is presented, one of the underlying facts of this movie can be a reveal. uh, But I think in the marketing, they are letting people know uh, kind of what's going on here. So if you are like pure, 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 don't want to know anything about it, uh, now's the time to hold off on listening. Otherwise, we're going to do a fairly spoiler-free discussion on the old guard. But I didn't... There's a little piece that I didn't want to necessarily reveal if you didn't want to hear it. So uh, everybody warned? Everybody good? Okay, here we go. A group of mercenaries, all centuries old immortals with the ability to heal themselves, discover someone is on to their secret and they must fight to protect their freedom. Uh, this stars Charlize Theron and uh, is kind of another entry into her taking over the action world uh, repertoire, which I love. Uh, and, uh, and yes, is about uh, immortals... Uh, trying to do good in the world. It is a Netflix film, and uh, we all checked it out and are ready to let you know what we thought. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go first this time? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? You know what? I actually really liked it. Yep, yep. Lo, what do you think? Uh, that is the exact tone and uh, thing that I'm going <laughs> to go with. I actually really liked it. Did not expect to, and I there's a few key reasons that I was just like, oof, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm going to be on the uh, low side of I loved it. Uh, yeah. I had a blast with this movie. And I will yeah. ad- 
I will admit up front that I don't know how much Charlize plays into that because I am she may be my favorite actor working right now. I am loving her so much in the decisions she's making, the roles she's taking, the way she's pulling them off. Um, I I just I'm really impressed with her. And this is another kind of in that line of this is a movie that could have been trash. Absolutely mm-hmm. could have been trash. Yeah. And and yet there is something really interesting going on here. And I think she has a lot to do with that. Lo, why don't you kick us off with some of uh, your general thoughts on the movie? Well, I would say, and I said this to my husband immediately after finishing the movie, which was literally 30 minutes before we started recording. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> so it's very fresh in my mind that while I don't necessarily uh, believe in and, and, and think that it's valid to say that there are new, no new ideas under the sun, you know, that old thing. I do think that this is a very good example of taking, I don't think there was anything in this movie that was like, wow, that was so new. Um, I don't want to like go into some of the plot points, but it's all, it's all bits and pieces that I've seen in other things, but something about the way that they put these different archetypes, these different tropes together was like, they just did a really good job of taking old stuff and making it new and taking fresh new takes on things that, Part of the reason that I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I'll put it on. You know, I might, I might get distracted while I'm watching it, whatever. But it held my attention and it had me like about halfway through. I was like tweeting up a storm while, <laughs> while watching it. It was blowing my mind. I like super loved it. I, oh, it was a real fun time. Very nice. Uh, sounds like you might have joined me in the loved it category there, Lo. I mean, Just, maybe. Yeah. Like right. I said, it's fresh. I don't want to like oversell uh-huh. it. But sure, I did. Sure. I had a really fun time. <laughs> Recency bias. I get yeah. it. I get it. Um, boy, it's, it's really interesting that all of us like this, uh, you know, because it doesn't scream out as like, this is going to be like a great movie. And yet, and maybe those low expectations are part of the, the recipe. Maybe that's, you know, possibly some of what's going on here. Andrew, what are some of your uh, thoughts? Uh, well, I had read, not the whole thing, but I read parts of the graphic novel first, so I need to get that out of the way, so I came into this knowing, you know, what to expect and stuff, but, uh, I was not, uh, expecting to be hit on so many different fronts emotionally, and I think that that's what really elevates this movie, is the fact that, yes, the fight choreography is really cool, the action's great, but... Uh, Charlize brings some emotion to this uh, Kiki Lane brings some emotion to this but there's a specific scene where um, uh, Marwan Kazari is talking about who plays Joe who's talking about when somebody says is this your boyfriend mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> that scene for some reason was like one of the most like hard hitting emotional like ch- like you are children, you know, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I love this scene so much. And I think that, you know, there are scenes like that sprinkled enough throughout this movie that just keep you going, oh, this is so great. Yeah, I, I love that relationship so much um, between uh, Joe and Nikki, right, are the two characters' yeah. names. And, uh, and that scene, what I loved about it, is primarily that it is such a common thing in pop culture up until recently for that kind of built-in homophobia kind of idea of you know what what's like your boyfriend you know kind of feeling has just been a thing and i grew up with that you know as a child of the 80s too that was just you know uh that was just there and so it wasn't like he was addressing um 
like uh, vitrolic, hateful spite. It was that he was addressing in such a pure, honest way the subtlety of how we hate each other. And yeah. and I just the the fact that that response came from uh, from that instigating factor. Uh, I thought it was just really powerful and I, I hope speaks to a lot of people about the importance of how we joke, what we say, those kind of things and how it might make someone feel. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I loved that, that scene as well. Um, I will say I went into this pure. I, I had no clue uh, about that first sentence in the uh, description. I had no clue that they were immortals uh, in, in the movie itself does a pretty good job of holding that uh i'm going to call it a secret or a story development or twist or whatever about is that exactly as long as you need it to uh which is for the first 10 15 minutes of the movie or whatever and uh and i liked that i liked that that kind of intro story reveal um and it was a part of the movie i enjoyed that a lot of people will just already know and that's okay but i just thought i'd mention that uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to uh, to warn people who might uh, enjoy not knowing that. But, um, but yeah, I had a really good time with this. I think what I'm drawn to most uh, specifically is the way this movie does its world building is, is uh, structured so beautifully. Uh, it, it tells stories about these these immortals and what their powers are and how they live their life uh and it spreads it out in such a way that you don't feel like you're being spoon-fed exposition uh and that it's forced down your throat it feels like you're experiencing their life and that through telling stories about their life you're learning uh about what this world is for them and and what their powers do and how that works and i found all that stuff fascinating and it reminded me of other movies that i feel like had great world building but didn't quite nail the execution and i was like in this movie i feel like they nailed the execution uh of that world building as well so um kind of fulfilling the potential of really thinking about what this would be like it really it really processes the actualities of being a century-old immortal um and i just I, i i found that really interesting to think about yeah, but at the same time, the movie doesn't feel like it's obligated to explain every single detail. Exactly. It's okay with yeah. leaving a little mystery. I yeah, a lot of mystery, actually. I yeah. think in a, I don't want to say like lesser movie, but in like a, in a, perhaps a more lazy directorial approach, you might have just put all the things that we found out in flashbacks as like a prequel sort of thing at the beginning of the movie, right? You would have mm-hmm. pulled Lord of the Rings, which I think Lord of the... I'm not, like, knocking Lord of the Rings, but you would have had this big, epic thing about the characters that are in Andy's past and the things that happened to them and, and, and around them and all that sort of stuff, trying not to spoil things, instead of having them as they are necessary. And certainly it's not the first movie to do that, but I can absolutely see somebody who was just being paid to make a quick movie and didn't care as much about the source material might have just been like, all right, we're going to do, we're going to do an in- intro scene that takes place, you know, a couple hundred years in the past and tells you all of this stuff. Right. And they didn't do that. And I think that also goes to show you how well the, the reveal of them being immortal plays as well, because you don't have that sort of, Oh, something's weird about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was really impressed with all that stuff. Um, 
What are some of your other thoughts? Lo, what else What else are you, you thinking while you're watching this? You probably heard me make a noise <laughs> when, Andrew, <laughs> when Andrew mentioned the Joe and Nikki scene because I couldn't contain myself. That scene, well, specifically when they, when they just offhandedly said, um, before that scene, when they offhandedly said like, oh, love of my life, I was like, oh, oh, okay, we're going to get some LGBT rep in here. And as somebody who is LGBT, I was like, oh, okay, I love this. And, you know, we get a little further in and you're always a little wary when you see various queer characters because a lot of times they are just fodder or their jokes or anything like that. And that specific scene, the is this your boyfriend scene, just... It completely sold me. I was I was already having fun at that point. I was already past the I don't know if I'm gonna like this movie and I was already having mm-hmm. fun with it. But the as soon as Joe and Nikki were like, no, like we are a healthy relationship. We're not being played as drama. It's they played it essentially how they would play a straight couple, right? Like they didn't mm-hmm. make the sexuality of them a huge plot point. I could see every scene that they were in being played exactly the same way by a straight man and a straight woman and it being like played exactly the same way, which is exactly how LGBT stuff should be. Again, I'm just doing too many soapboxes this episode. Oh, <laughs> hey, it listen. just really hit me and I loved Sif, it. <laughs> Sif, Pop, Sif Pop is a soapbox friendly environment. Uh, believe me, I've got plenty sitting around the studio here that I step onto every <laughs> once in a while. So you're amongst, you're amongst friends. So you're good. Yeah. Well, that's that like, oof, I just had to speak on that as well because it made me so happy. And there was also hints of potentially other LGBT relationships, although certainly not confirmed. And maybe I just have my like looking for gay people radar on. But (laughs) I certainly saw one that I think was meant to be played that way. And when you already have a canon LGBT relationship in the movie, I'm even more like, yeah, I think they were supposed to be together, but I don't want to say who it was because it could be sort of spoilery. They are. Someone just read the comics. Yeah. Love it. I love it. I really hope this gets a sequel, which it's set up for at the end. So I'm like, oh, come on. on, Netflix, can do it. (laughs) That's one way. That's one way you can tell if you've liked a movie or not liked of it. Liked it is if the sequel baiting makes you angry or happy. (laughs) It's like, and you know what? I think they did a really good job of if this doesn't get a sequel, I'm okay. Right, yeah, Because I think sometimes even when the sequel baiting is like, oh, like, I really want a sequel, like, sometimes you're really disappointed and like, oh, the story isn't complete. Like, no, it's like a complete story, but I still want more. Ooh, it's so good. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I would mention that this continues uh, because you mentioned how they uh, treat the relationship between Joe and Nikki as if it were just a relationship. They don't make a, make a big deal about it. And I felt the same way uh, in a completely different uh, context about Charlize as an action star uh, in Atomic Blonde and now in This as well, where they shoot her just like an action star. They don't shoot her like a female action mm. star. They shoot her like an action star. And, uh, and that's, to me, supremely evident in some of the shots in Atomic Blonde. Um, and I think it continues here. And uh, I just I wanted to give a shout out to that because that is, I think, a uh, a progression that we've needed. It is also, I think, a result of Gina Prince Bythewood uh, uh, directing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, the male gaze will sneak in with those male directors and sometimes they don't even realize they're doing it, I'm sure. But, you know, it's it's just kind of there's there's uh, just something really 
character driven about the way we see her. And I, I really appreciated that. Well, yeah, uh, if you look at, you know, Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman, you know, uh, Gal Gadot's not shot as, you know, a female uh, action star. She's she shot as an action star. Yeah, she's gorgeous and beautiful, but that's not, you know, the main focus. The main focus is her drive and passion and her ability to kick butt. And then the icing on the cake is that she's gorgeous, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here, you know, Charlize is gorgeous but it's mainly about her drive and passion and stuff like that and uh, it's not like shot like you said it's not shot to where it's like ooh, look how pretty well and there's a there's a subtle difference too and so much of this has to do with perspective and low i'm sure you can speak to this even better than we can but there's there's a subtle difference too between shooting something that is beautiful and shooting something that is sexual or sensual mm. or oh, yeah. or even even Which a difference what i meant right oh, yeah even sure. it, even a difference between shooting something that is sensual and shooting something that is just sexual, you know, and uh, you know, there's 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 an interesting thing that that can happen. And so, yeah, I totally get get what what you're saying with that um, as yeah. far as as far as this movie is concerned. Yeah. And I was uh, heading towards that. Uh, and you look at how uh, Gal Gadot is shot in Justice League by Zack Snyder as opposed to how she shot, you know, in mm-hmm. the Wonder Woman movie. Sure. Yeah. Yep, gotta get gotta get those butt shots in. Um, <laughs> it's very important. Very important. Yeah, for character uh, development. For character development, of course, of course. The butt's how was coming I back around? She, it's important. How was I supposed to know she had a butt if it weren't for Zack Snyder? Uh, other performances, uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, I think it's Matthias uh, Schoenertz and uh, Kiki Lane uh, was great. She, uh, we haven't talked about Chiwetel Ejiofor yet. Uh, hanging out in this movie, doing some work. Um, what were your thoughts on on some of those performances? Uh, well, it, <laughs> Go it's, ahead. Uh, it, uh, I th- honestly, I think Chiwetel was more of a a background character. Like uh, I know there, I don't want to get into too many details and stuff, but uh, he wasn't really a driving force. He was just kind of there in mm-hmm. this movie, as opposed to Harry Melling, who plays Merrick who I think is, you know, I've never seen him before. If he was in anything before this, I, I'm sure mm. I would like... Have you yeah. seen any Harry Potter movies? Yeah, I hate him. <laughs> well, he played Dudley in Harry Potter, so you've at least seen that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Dudley, then, is a really good villain. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I also like, you know, that... Nah, I can't talk. I'll have to wait till spoilers to say what I was going to say. But, okay. yeah. Uh, I think the core group, these five core, are just really well cast, and the chemistry between them, you know, whenever you have characters who are supposed to have, you know, lived not only by themselves, but together for hundreds, if not thousands of years, you gotta have some chemistry within that group, and I think that this group really, you know, just, you buy into that. that yeah, they've known each other forever. Yeah. Yeah, I I really believed that these were immortals, and that's hard to do. And that they, you know, that they had had those relationships. There's a, there is a, uh, let's say, a problem situation amongst the group that they have to work out at one point in the movie. And it is one of the greatest examples to me in this movie of how seriously it takes its world building, and it it just it's resolved in a way that feels like people who had lived together for centuries would resolve something, you know. 
Yeah. And uh, I just I, I just really bought in. Every decision seemed accurate and authentic to me, given the rules that they've stated. The movie really lived by its rules, and I loved that. Loaded. And it felt like that moment you're talking about, it felt like both sides were being punished. Like mm-hmm. they both knew they were going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you for know? sure. For sure. So, uh, Lo, did you have any other thoughts about the movie? Um, I loved, I want to say Kiki Lene, as I want to say how you would pronounce her last name. Um, maybe Kiki Lane. Um, I think it's Lane. Lane, okay. Uh, as Niall is, ooh, she's amazing. I've never seen her in anything before. I don't know if she's done anything before, but I, I just, to speak on the fact that this was shot not with a lot of male gaze, both Kiki and Charlize are playing the arguably i mean it's kind of an ensemble movie but i would say they are the two most important characters we have our our (laughs) old guard and the new person being brought Mm -hmm. in and kind of seeing that uh, dynamic and you know not to use buzzwords but i'm pretty sure this movie passes the bechdel test and (laughs) (laughs) which is not a given (laughs) um and yeah i just i've at one point, as I was live tweeting this, I literally just said, the female leads in this movie, like, send tweet. I just, like, was, like, overwhelmed by how much I was loving them. And I would say that's the writing, the directing, the acting, just, yeah, I'm gushing too much about this movie. This entire episode has been gush, 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 but it's just, ooh, <laughs> so good. Uh, so I've got I've got homework for you, then, if you haven't seen any other Kiki Lane stuff. Yes, please. Uh, you need... Yeah, you need to check out if Beale Street could talk, um, which I think is kind of where she came on the scene. So, it's a a fun, happy time movie. (laughs) Something about your tone makes me think it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just say if the uh, racial experience in America right now is fun, happy time, then this Mm, movie is too. Not so so much, but important. (laughs) I will definitely add it to the list. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, no, you will, you will, you will have the feels when you watch that movie. All right. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. Um, yeah, I love this more than I expected to. Let's. We haven't talked about really any negatives. Uh, you mentioned Harry Melling. He was the one performance I wasn't quite bought into. It felt a little mustache twirly to me at times. Um, that was kind of one of the negatives that that dropped it down a little bit. Um, but uh, but other than that, I you know I didn't really have any big negative, just you know minor things. What about you guys? Do you guys have anything you didn't like about this movie? Uh, I'll have to wait till spoilers to like get into specifics and stuff like that because we we we've given away like you know the premise of the movie and like that it deals with immortals and stuff like that. But there's still some stuff I'd like to wait, you know, just to talk about. Okay, that makes sense. Low. Um, I think, and and I don't know that this is necessarily a negative because I think it made the rest of the movie even more enjoyable, but I don't know. The, the first, like, 15 to 20 minutes, I was very distracted and kind of like, I'm not a huge, like, action movie person, um, especially when it's just, like, action that takes place in the modern world. I've seen it a thousand times. Right. I can just rewatch, I don't know, the Bourne movies. Like, <laughs> it just, like, it gets boring to me at a certain point, so I was not super in it and i definitely want to go back and rewatch because i feel like i must have missed a few things in the first 20 to 30 minutes just because of my own add <laughs> like not yeah. not like super bringing in every little thing um and again it does you know kind of pull that twist a little bit in to kind of get you on board with the whole immortal thing 
But up until then, I feel like I missed a few things because it didn't grab me immediately. But again, that's a, in the grand scheme of things, that's one minor issue. And I, you know, the other thing I will say is I think this movie does action well. Um, mm-hmm. And it does, it's it's not super cut to pieces and you really get a sense of the geography. You understand the fighting that's going on. You also 100% believe that these people uh, are, you know, have done this so many times that they're, uh, you know, basically unable to be beaten, um, unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah, but be- the movie still has stakes, oh, which right. is interesting. Yes. Yeah, I completely totally. agree. Stakes are there. And I don't want to get into why they are there because it's a spoiler. But I was surprised that in a movie full of immortals that I would be genuinely fearful for some of these characters. Yeah, no, totally. And the reason I bring up the the action is because for me, like I often talk about kind of the the three parts of your your personhood that that can be appealed to at least for me for movies with your mind, your heart and your gut, you know, kind of idea. And uh that gut thing of the action like has never been the driving force for me. It's usually the heart or the head that's going to drive a movie for me. And what's great about a movie like this is it has all three. And so those action scenes that I'm not like necessarily, that's not like the violence is a little much for me. It's, you know, there's a lot of headshots. That's kind of the thing now. It's, you know, it's John Wick. It's, you know, yeah. whatever the case may be. That's not my thing. Like in, but a lot of people love that. But here's the thing. If you do love that, it's here. But if you don't, I think there's enough here to get you even through those action scenes that aren't your thing. So, like, when we're talking about negatives, for me personally, I could have done with a little less of, you know, shooting people in the face. But that's just me personally. (laughs) So. (laughs) I agree. Seconded. Uh, So, I think that's a recommend. I think we've got, like, a twofer uh, recommend with all of us kind of agreeing. These are ones to watch. One I was surprised to recommend. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, All right. Let's move on to the best ever challenge for this week. Best ever movies adapted from the stage. Um, So this isn't like, I'm sorry, Lo. This isn't like Newsies where the movie came (laughs) first and then it went to the stage. You know, that would be my first place. I love Newsies. We've talked about Newsies on this show before. (laughs) Yes, we have. Both of us would have it there, I'm sure. No, this is started uh, on the stage and then adapted for a movie. I was surprised at some of the titles uh, that have, when I did the research, have actually been adapted from plays and, and from the stage. So we will go number five to number one. And uh, Lo, do you want to kick us off with your number five? Sure. I am going to go with um, Freaky Friday from 2018. So Mm. this is a bit of an interesting one because obviously there have been two versions of the movie. There's the original from, I want to say, the 70s and the 80s. There's the like early 2000s Lindsay Lohan version. Then they made a musical in like 2017-ish. It had a very short run, but... It was technically on stage. <laughs> and then <laughs> they, after the short run, I think Disney, who owns the rights to Freaky Friday, um, was like, you know what? We've put all this work into the musical. We are going to transition it and make it into a movie. And they did it as a Disney Channel original movie or DCOM, for those of you in the know. And <laughs> I super loved it. I love the two other movies that they've done in the past. And this musical, I think... It's fun. It's not treading any new water. It's the very, like, paint-by-the-numbers musical. But I think 
like all of the acting is is really fun and the musical numbers are really great and that's my that's my pick all right so let me let me make sure i'm understanding this correctly so freaky friday was a movie yes and then there was a musical bay uh based on the the movie Mm -hmm. and then this is a movie based on that musical yes right yeah, I think I think you're good. I think we're gonna let that one slide. <laughs> I think it technically, um, no. it's like the producers. The producers did the same thing. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, good call, Andrew. What do you got at number five? Uh, I'm gonna go with the Odd Couple, and I'm going all the way back to 1968 with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. This movie is so funny because I think we've all had that one roommate who was just the exact opposite of what we were, whether it be cleanliness, personality, and uh, it's just it's insanely relatable, this movie. I love the performances. I love the... Uh, I think if I were to be one of them, I would be more of the Walter Matthau as opposed to the Jack Lemmon character. But uh, no, if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend it. Very nice. Um, yeah, I had that in my honorable mentions. Um, it is uh, certainly worth talking about. Uh, number five for me is, surprisingly enough, the only musical on my list. Um, hmm. Number Ooh. five for, for me is The Sound of Music. And it's in my honorable uh, mentions. Yeah, I, I love this movie. And to me, it is the best example of how you adapt uh, a play or one of the best I should say because it takes what happens on the stage and just expands it and really uses the ability that a movie has there are some uh, stage plays that are adapted that I feel like kind of constrain themselves because they're just kind of redoing you know the stage play instead of actually expanding it out but right from the beginning this movie lets you know uh, no we're going to be in you know the the wide open spaces of the outdoors and we're going to do a helicopter shot and you know she's going to be spinning around and it's going to be all sorts of awesome so uh yeah i love the sound of music lo what do you got at number four number four and i'm not sure if this might be trumped by anybody uh chicago from 2002 no all right, no. that's my that's my number four. I I love Chicago. I think it was probably one of my first experiences with like a movie musical. I would have been like twelve when it came out, and I like it blew me away from the get go. And I still oh it like I love and I've seen the stage play now after having seen the movie. So obviously that sort of skews how you view things. But I think it takes everything from the musical and just kicks it up. It only improved on the musical. Um, and yeah, I just, it, I think the performances are great. I think the way that they interpret some of the things that are only sort of hinted at on the stage show is, uh, is quite interesting and just larger than life, I would say. Very nice. Andrew, what do you got at number four? I'm going to go with Frost Nixon. Great now, choice. I don't know, I don't know if... A real life event based on, or ba- a play based on a real life event based on, or then a movie. But, uh, <laughs> it works. Yeah. Um, but I think obviously this is a very performance driven movie. Uh, the subject matter obviously is very important, but I don't think that if, uh, Frank Langella and, uh, Michael Sheen aren't Frank Langella and Michael Sheen, 
then this movie does just doesn't work at all. I'd be I'd be I'd want to see the or a Broadway version of this just to see if I'm as you know enamored and just drawn in as the movie makes me. Yeah, it's it, that's one. It's Ron Howard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of a few that I, I looked at and I was like, oh yeah, that was that was definitely a play first, and I, I love that movie, so I'm I'm happy you're giving it some props. It was definitely in my honorable mentions. So yeah, nicely done. Uh, my number four is Doubt. Uh, this is the yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Meryl Streep, Viola Davis, Amy Adams. I mean, come on. Those four. It's a rough movie, but it's good. It is. It is. It is not one of those feel good movies, uh, but it is definitely a great movie, uh, and uh, basically follows the the story of you know this um, this church. And I don't I don't necessarily want to give any of it away because it's you know it's kind of a a ride. But yeah, it was definitely a play first, and uh, and then became a movie. So. Yeah, and the ambiguity of it all too at the end. Right. Like, oh, I love that. I love there's no uh so, not solidity. What would you call it? just you don't you don't know at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's way yeah. hey, hence the title. So that's that's right. What do you got at number three, Lo? You know, I was very aware that this was stage play or musical, but I have to tell you, 100% of mine are musicals, but I don't know if that'll <laughs> surprise people who know me because I'm a huge musical nut. Um so my number three is the 1997 version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, which was a TV movie that starred Brandy and Whitney Houston and Whoopi Goldberg and like Susan Sarandon, like, or not Susan Sarandon. Crap, I always mix these two up. I can't remember her name, but um, it's it's just amazing and I love it so, so much. There's probably a lot of nostalgia attached here, but I... I I don't know. I think that all of the voices are really great, and I love to see a movie that has such a... Um, Bernadette Peters, that's her name. Um, I love to see such a, a varied cast as far as, like, you know, having a black mom and a white dad with an Asian son, and they're just like, who cares? <laughs> we can do whatever we want. It's a musical. This literally has fairy godmothers in it, and you're going to be mad about race? Who cares? Um, but I think all the performances are so great and it's, it's my favorite version of Cinderella of which there are quite a few. Um, but I think it's a, a fantastic movie, which is currently on YouTube. Uh, just, just throwing that out there, um, for free. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's been one of my longest running favorite musicals. I was going to say, uh, I thought you were going to say you're the uh, musical version of Cinderella Man. And I was like, I didn't know they made no. a, a Cinderella Man <laughs> musical. That's amazing. Man, Russell Crowe's really wants he's, to get yeah, that, that musical gotta, thing in. That's right. That's right. Don't punch me in the face. Please don't punch me in the face. You should write it, Andrew. You're already uh, halfway there. You're halfway I'm on there. it. Uh, what is your number? The second th- song is Let Me Punch You in the Face. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's just a two-song musical. That's, that's all yeah. it is. Uh, what's your number three, Andrew? Uh, you're going to trump me, but um, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's A Few Good Men. I will trump you. I will Ooh, trump yeah. you on that. Uh, my number three is a Hitchcock movie. And Hitchcock famously once said uh, that directors, when they're having trouble with ideas, should look, to the, should look to plays. And he loved finding good plays to turn into movies. And uh, this one works really well for the conceit because my number three is Rope. Dream, and. Dream. 
What's that? Wait, which one? Roachers? Oh, that's not the one I thought you were gonna say. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's there's still room for one more. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, rope is perfectly suited for what Hitchcock wanted to do with the one take and uh, all the fun of that, because he shot it like a play in many ways, and it all takes place in this room in real time and. Um, beautiful performance by Jimmy Stewart, of course, and uh, it's a, it's amazing to me that you can do real time one take like that and uh, and have still that kind of tension that he's known for. And uh, certainly, directors have done it uh, since, but he he was he was definitely one of the first. So, uh, Rope is is one to check out. Uh, what do you got at number two, Lo? Uh, I'm just gonna continue my. Uh three out of the four of these being Disney adaptations of musicals. (laughs) But number two is the 1999, might catch some heat for this, version of Annie that Disney did for the wonderful world of Disney. Um, Also, the second musical to um, uh, feature, oh gosh, what is his name? Victor Garber. Um, Mm -hmm. He was the king in Cinderella, and he is Daddy Warbucks in this. Um, also features the incomparable, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Ooh. Kathy Bates? No, yes, Kathy Bates is in it, but I'm thinking of the Kristen pers- Chenoweth? Kristen Chenoweth is also in it, but that's not who I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> what I've got the name? cast in front of me. You do? Al- um, Alicia Morton? Uh, no, Alicia Morton is Audra McDonald? Yes, Audra McDonald. There okay, we go. There go. I was like frantically <laughs> trying to pull it up. Um, she, she's amazing. She's Broadway legend, um, Broadway royalty. And I personally think that it is a better version of Annie than the the older version. And I know, again, lots of people really love that version, but there are certain, shall we say, racist issues <laughs> in that older movie mm-hmm. that sure. don't always sit well with me. And I think that they did a good job of, once again, doing some sort of racially blind casting. It's still a lot of white people, but they've, they've put some some people of color in there as well and and i i just enjoy like i think alicia morton does a fantastic job as annie and i like kathy bates is amazing always um and yeah i just love it (laughs) the the one the name on here that kind of surprised me is sarah highland from uh, modern family yeah there's Uh, a couple um lilane who you may know i don't know if maybe this missed you uh lizzie mcguire she was in that. They both <laughs> that played orphans. Me, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe viewers yeah. will be like, oh, yeah, Lillane from Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> sure. I'm sure they will be. I thought you meant Lizzie McGuire. Like, uh, what's her name? I'm having a brain fart now. Uh, the actual Lizzie McGuire was in. What is her name? Why, why'd you do this to me, Lo? Uh, the girl who plays Lizzie McGuire? Yeah. Oh, um, oh my gosh. My brain is in. It's not working, and I can't remember actors' names. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most fun part of the, the Hillary podcast. Hillary Duff. Oh, I did it. Yeah, I thought you meant Hillary Duff was in it. I'm like, what? There's a there's quite a few people that play that are now actors or actresses like as adults who were orphans in this. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact: Hillary Duff was my childhood crush. Aww, <laughs> it's adorable. And she's still my crush, by the way. Yeah, is she is she quote unquote taken? Do you probably. know? Probably. Oh, I didn't know if you if you were still you know thinking possibly you could meet someday <laughs> and have a meet mm. cute and you know who knows what happens yeah. from there. Yeah, they can uh, make a Broadway musical out of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your number two, Andrew? Uh, I'm gonna go with Fences. 
Ooh, Denzel Washington. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, I I don't know if I've said this before or not, but whenever I heard they were making this movie, the first thing that popped in my head is after I saw that it was Denzel Washington. I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. I mean, it's going to be tough to uh, have a better performance than the one James Earl Jones gave because James Earl Jones just nailed that like that performance. It's so good and it's so traumatizing. Uh, and then I saw the trailer for it, <laughs> for this movie, and it's and the trailer was the most powerful scene in the movie, which is the uh, where he's telling his son that he doesn't have to love him or like him. And uh, the first time I saw that, whenever it was James Earl Jones, and he's like, where is it written, son, that I have to like you? And you think that he's going to turn it like, I don't like you. I love you. You know, he's going to give this heartwarming speech. No, he just doesn't like his son. <laughs> and it's it's so awful, but it's so captivating. You can't take your eyes off of it. And how he's, this father is like, you know, like, I've done so much, you know, for this family and stuff like that. But he's a man with flaws. And over, you know, 15 years, he still hasn't built that fence, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I love the movie, and I was surprised that I honestly think that I can say I love the movie more than the play. So, good on you, Denzel Washington. You give one of the best performances, probably what I would consider the best Denzel Washington performance of his entire career. And it may, and it may not even be the best performance in that movie, because yeah. Viola Davis is incredible in that movie. Yeah. Um, and they are so great together. This is this is a tough one for me and because I agree the performances are legendary. The both the Denzel and Viola performances are so great. But this is one that falls into that category that I was talking about earlier for me of uh, adaptations that basically just film the you know, the play as a movie. Yeah. Like there's they don't really take advantage of a lot. Uh, it is it is very stripped down. And that's okay. It's a choice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just like, uh, it's interesting in that way. I would almost have rather seen a Hamilton style, you know, actual play performance with those, with that cast as opposed to the movie. Cause the movie doesn't really go anywhere in its environment. That's interesting or special. Um, so anyhow, but I do, I, I do like it. I do really like the movie. Uh, but I did want to mention that. Yeah. Um, my number two has already been called out. Uh, it is a few good men. Um, and yeah, that is an Aaron Sorkin play that became an Aaron Sorkin movie and the rest is history. Uh, we've spoken about a few good men many times and probably no need to, to continue to talk about it. Um, (laughs) because honestly, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not sure you can handle the truth. So we'll, we'll just, we'll, you can't, we'll just leave it there. Uh, Aaron, what? we need you on that wall. We need you on that <laughs> podcast wall. Thank you. Thank you. I pre- I think I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Lo, I, mean, what you- I guess technically you are the Jack Nicholson in right. that analogy. That's what I was trying to think. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about that. I guess this is where I order, order the, the podcast Code Red. Uh, the Code so. Red, yeah. Apologies. Um, all right. You so. know that movie gets a lot funnier if you just pretend the entire time they're talking about Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> Did you order the Code Red and Tom Cruise just an angry waiter? That's right. That's right. You're right. Uh, Lo, what do you got at your number one? Well, you put constraints on me that made it so I could not choose the Jeremy Jordan-led Newsies as my favorite mm-hmm. musical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. adaptation. So, of course, I went with another Jeremy Jordan-led musical adaptation, The Last Five Years, 
which is one of my favorite musicals of all time and one of my favorite movies of all time. It, um, are either of you familiar with it? No, I'm not it at all. Up right now, but I haven't heard of it. Um, it is, uh, the play itself, or the musical itself, is two-person. There's a man and a woman, and it's about the five years of their relationship from marriage to divorce. And that's not a spoiler, because it is told in, in reverse and forward at the same time. You're watching, every other song is like the guy singing and then the girl singing. Um, and the girl, who in the movie is played by Anna Kendrick is starting at the end. So her very first song is about how her husband has just left her. And then she slowly through the movie goes back in time. And Jeremy Jordan's first song is about right after they've had their first date. And it it takes place right after that first song of her talking about them getting divorced. So it's this sort of weird time meld. And they meet in the middle and they sing the only duet in the musical, which is them getting married. And then... Oh, wow. They they leave again. So it's this wonderful, like, it's, I mean, the musical itself already had all of these kind of very, like, uh, I hesitate to say, like, highbrow, like, like, concepts of, like, how time works. And it's, it's just a really great look at a very unhealthy, but a great look at a marriage and a relationship and how relationships can start out so sweet and in this honeymoon phase and turn into this really bitter thing. And it's, oh, I cry every time. I don't cry when I watch Hamilton anymore every time, but every time I watch the last five years, I cry. It's beautiful. And Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan are amazing. Um, And certainly you lose some of the rawness by transferring it to film where you get this, you know, they've got a bunch of other people in it, right? You're not going to have a two-person film. I mean, you could, but they don't. Um, But I think it's, it's just, it's a really gorgeous movie. Uh, so basically Christopher Nolan directed a musical. Yes. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what nice. do you got at number one, Andrew? Uh, I'm going with a Shakespearean play. Hmm. The Lion King. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch, but I'll give it to you. I love it. How is it a stretch? It's based on Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but it's not Macbeth. It's Lion King. <laughs> What? Oh, you said. Oh, you well, said in that based. case, I would like to change my option to The Lion King Two, which is based off of Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> there right. you go. That's right. Go ahead. But yeah, Lion King, greatest animated film of all time. Very nice. So. Can't Very argue nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could, but we don't have time right now. So and it's we a musical, it. Aaron. Love Aaron, out. it's a musical. So I, I got a musical on my list. So there you go. That's right. You did. You managed to get a musical on there. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm. Thank you. I'm sure you mean the uh, the more recent Lion King, not that original one. You know, you mean the I one, mean, the one where it looks I love, real. I love my uh, lions. Like I love them emotionless, and uh, you know. <laughs> Yes. Whenever uh, Mufasa dies, spoiler, I love Simba to look just as downtrodden and emotionless as whenever he's singing, I just can't wait to be king. Yes, exactly. 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 Yeah. So your number one is, yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah, it is. My number one is Dial In For Murder. And uh, man, I love this movie. Talked about it many times, uh, so I won't go over everything. But, uh, But it's... 
It's very well done, and it's interesting to think of it as a play because not only did Hitchcock uh, adapt it from a play to the screen, he adapted it from a play to 3D, which I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, And so, you know, when he released this movie... Uh, he released it in 3D, and uh, and so you can kind of feel a lot of that even watching it in 2D, uh, how much um, depth plays a part in what you're experiencing in this movie. So, yeah, Dial In For Murder is uh, my number one. So there you go. Uh, best ever adapted from the stage. Uh, certainly there are many, many honorable mentions. Uh, we should probably just kind of uh, race through them pretty quickly. Lo, why don't you uh, give us yours first? Um. I just really want to shout out one. Um, I really love, and I know that this is a bit controversial, not a lot of people love it, but I really love Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Um, mm-hmm. It's unique and crazy. Is that the Leo crazy. one? Yeah. <laughs> it's unique and crazy and weird and definitely not for everybody, and I totally get it, but I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do too. I actually think I, I'm a big uh, Baz Luhrmann guy. I, I enjoy his stuff, so that's a good choice. Did- did Baz Luhrmann, did he do the Coriolanus with Ray Fiennes? Uh, I don't mm, know. I don't, he I don't did, know. Um, he did Moulin Rouge. Because mm. I know uh, Coriolanus, the reason why I ask is because it's done in that exact same style that uh, his Romeo and Juliet was, where it's, you know, set in a modern time, but it's actually still the exact dialogue just transla- transferred yeah. over. And it's the same with Coriolanus, where it's a modern, you know, general and stuff like that, but with that classic, you know, Shakespearean dialect. So, hmm. uh, I'm just curious about that. What do you got, Andrew? What What are some uh, honorable mentions you had written down? I have I have five honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, number one, Harvey. Mm-hmm. We'll get some Jimmy Stewart in here. Gotta love your Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a big white rabbit, Harvey. Uh, a movie that I don't like, but I feel like if it's not mentioned, then we're going to get yelled at, and that's Streetcar <laughs> Named Desire. Yeah, yeah, I had it I had it listed as well. Uh, number three, I had The Ides of March, the Ryan Gosling, George Clooney film. Surprisingly, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, number two is a movie I did not uh, realize was a... Uh, a play before, but then I went back and rewatched after I uh, made my list, and I totally see it, it's obvious now, and that's mm-hmm. Glengarry Glenn Ross. Yeah, yep, like definitely. When I'm watching Alec, because I'm just watching Alec Baldwin just be mean to everybody, and uh, I'm not thinking, oh yeah, this would make a great play. But like once you start that movie, and you have uh, Jack, also you have Jack Lemmon in this one, but him and. Uh, uh, Ed Harris in that phone booth. You're like, oh yeah, this reads so much like a Broadway play. And then my number one is a movie that uh, a lot of people in you know modern times haven't seen because it's so old. But if you have not seen The Miracle Worker, mm-hmm. go and see The Miracle Worker. That movie is just so crazy good. Yeah, you want to really talk good. about like uh, back in the day whenever they had uh, when did that movie come out? Miracle Worker came out in. 1962, yeah, in 62, for some reason, it feels like a much older movie, just because, you know, it's shot in black and white and stuff like that, but uh, 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 Patty Duke as Helen Keller, it's like one of the greatest performances ever, and then uh, Anne Bancroft as Anne Sullivan, everything about this movie just screams, these people were better than the time, uh, the times, I should say, 
because if you look back like older movies performances feel very theatrical even in the 60s but even these performances feel very you know realistic and modern so yep gotta love gotta love the miracle worker and those are my shout outs nice one of uh one of a handful of plays i did when i was in uh, high school oh, was oh really miracle worker yeah um accidentally were you helen keller <laughs> no no i was no i was not i was not you were you were blinded deaf and man you didn't know Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. just, you know, uh, men don't get many roles and, uh, I just feel like there's <laughs> representation issues. And, uh, so I yes. could see, I could see Aaron, just a six foot seven, uh, guy in a wig on stage just going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, uh, I did. However, I did, uh, break the, uh, one of the fingers of the Helen Keller on accident. Uh, so yeah. Were you, I, were you Arthur, the dad? Yeah, I was the dad and, yeah. uh, grabbed, grabbed a hand a little too hard. Uh, and it wasn't that I grabbed it too hard. It was that the finger kind of caught in my grip wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, yeah that it's was, the finger's fault. She was incredible though. She did the rest of the play with a broken finger. Oh, it was and, like uh, on, it was during a performance. Yeah, Yikes. it was during a performance. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Fun times. Uh, so here's some others. Now, Andrew, I am very surprised you didn't mention 12 Angry Men. So I'll mention... Uh, I didn't know if 12 Angry Men was... Because I looked it up and I thought that it was a movie first. Mm, I think it was a play first. And and maybe I'm... You know, research can always be wrong. So I'll just mention these. And if, if I'm wrong, I well, apologize. If, if 12 Angry Men was a uh, uh, a film first... Then yeah, I'll I'll replace the Lion King with it if that'll make sense. <laughs> nice. Uh, we should mention Amadeus, which is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. Arsenic, What's the shame. Arsenic and old lace uh, is great. Uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is really fun. Uh, West Side Story, I should mention. I do love that. Uh, Andrew, one we watched recently, Sweeney Todd, I think is worth a mention here. Um, sure, if you think so. Love it. <laughs> Hate uh, it. One one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Apparently, was a play first. Mm-hmm. So, what? Uh, mentioning that here. Okay, yeah, that's in my top five too. Uh, Casablanca was apparently on the stage first, so worth mentioning that. Uh, Much ado about nothing. I enjoy that adapt- adaptation. Um, the one with uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Robert Sean Leonard, and kind of back in the day, has a soft spot in my heart. Also, a soft spot in my heart for Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, really enjoy oh, that. Yeah. Uh, Topol uh, plays Tevya uh, in the movie adaptation, as he did on Broadway, and he's just incredible. Just incredible. Um, and a little movie called Quartet that uh, Dustin Hoffman directed uh, that I'm sure is way under everybody's radar, but and I don't expect anybody to go hunt it out, but I really did enjoy it, and um, and it's it's good. It's good. Uh, and then also, I would say uh, my experience with Jeremy Jordan is uh, he has my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, performance in the hit television show Smash. Love it. Uh, when he uh, when he does uh, Broadway, here I come. That blew my mind the first time I saw it. Um, so, so yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Jeremy as well, since we're doing a Jeremy Jordan love <laughs> podcast. 
Uh, all right. Uh, before we head on to our buried treasure for the week, thank you so much to our Sif Pop members who make this possible. We had a great time with Lo catching up on uh, what's been going on in her life. We talked a little Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we talked some some really fun stuff. So all our members will have that uh, in your members only podcast feed for you to listen to. Lots of other perks uh, come with being a Sif Pop member, and you can check all that out at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sift Pop, S I F T P O P. And uh, thank you to those who support. All right. On to our buried treasure. Uh, We're going to let Lo close us out. So, uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Uh, Before I do, I have a question, Aaron. Is your buried treasure Tom (laughs) Hanks-ish? No, I didn't know if we were going to talk about that on the show or not. I actually haven't watched the new Tom Hanks movie yet. Okay. Um, so well, just in case, I'll save that for next week because I had okay. a, I had another one just in case. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with a, another movie that came out this year, uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe and Samara Weaving. It's a little movie called Guns Akimbo. Yeah, what did you uh, think? This movie's fun. This movie is a lot of fun. It's insane. It's ridiculous. Um, think like. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a good like thing to compare it to. Just the violence in it is so ridiculous. It's like a mix between Dread and uh, Shaun of the Dead or something like that, where it's like crazy violent, but it's so ridiculous at the same time that you're like, oh, that's just funny violent, you know? Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is great in it. Samara Weaving is quickly becoming one of my favorite young actresses. Uh, yeah, if you have seen the trailers for this and you're like that just looks so stupid the answer is yes it is and it's great for being it (laughs) nice uh we are uh always about letting content kind of stand on its own uh but i do feel compelled to mention that there was a lot of hubbub about this movie i think a while back because of some things the director said on twitter uh directed at uh journalists of color um, and so I just wanted to mention that in case some are wondering if that's the same thing. Uh, yes, that is, that is this movie. There was some stuff mm-hmm. going on and I haven't studied it enough to really know the ins and outs of exactly what happened. But, uh, I do remember that, that stuff happening. Well, you um, know me, I don't have Twitter, so I didn't. And that's that. true. That's true. And I just took the movie at face value. And, uh, often I think you're better for it. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I, I might be a little bit jealous. It's, you know, it's like, uh, it, uh, Twitter is the one social media. I just don't think I'll ever be able to quit. Uh, I just, I love it too much. Same. It's uh, your Heath Ledger to your Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just can't I quit, you, quit you. Twitter. <laughs> um, so yeah. So guns Akimbo. Um, yep. I'll have to, I, you're the second person who've told me it's actually good. So it's, I'm, it's I'm a really fun movie. Out. But what you got, Aaron? I have been doing... Listen, you know, there's no greater sign of being in a pandemic than the fact that uh, Aaron is about to talk about a 15-year-old reality show. Yes. Um, I I know Survivor is older than 15 years. Yeah, Survivor started in 99. I don't think Survivor Uh, is buried treasure for Aaron. (laughs) No, no. Survivor is is way front of the list. In fact, I'm going to bring this buried treasure around to Survivor Ah. uh, eventually. So... Uh, no, I started uh, binging Top Chef from season one. I've never been into Top Chef before. I knew it was something I would probably like. 
uh, basically because I like pretty much all reality competition shows, um, and I'm really enjoying it. And it's it's interesting because I didn't realize how simple the concept was. In that, basically, they just have two challenges every episode, and then you know they whoever makes the worst food goes home. And it's just uh, the, that simplicity is really beautiful because it allows me to binge it uh, kind of as just a second screen in the room. Um, I talk about, you know, passive shows being so essential to have those shows that you can just put on while you're working on other things and not feel like you're, you know, you have to pay attention. Um, And Top Chef has been that for me recently. So I am almost through season three uh, and I started about a week ago. So uh, it is. It has been a lot of fun, and I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, binging old reality TV. And I did not realize that would be a fun thing to do. But if you haven't seen Survivor, huge recommend to go back and watch it from the beginning if you have CBS All Access because they have all the seasons. And by the way, I'm watching this on Hulu. Hulu has uh, all the Top Chef uh, seasons. So, um, so yeah, I, I just think there's there's something about it that. It's it's it has that double thing of this is fun reality television and also you kind of know where it is in like the temporal space and you're like kind of amused by oh this is you know yeah I remember 2005 you know kind of thing so uh, anyhow I'm I'm having a good time uh, with binging it and uh, catching up so high recommend for me either of you guys Top Chef fans. I'm a Padma Lakshmi fan. <laughs> of course, of course, understood. Uh, understood. She, <laughs> she has a new show called Taste the Nation out. That's pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've seen that on uh, Hulu, um, promoted on Hulu too. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know who she was honestly until I started binging Top Chef. Really? Yeah. No, she has a really, really like like her. Uh, why would you call it uh, not f- foreign food? But there's there's a foreign oh. food that she has like a palate. She has a very good palate, like for like saying like, oh, if you like spice, go over and try this. And like, it's it's a unique. Everybody has you know their uh, ah. I'm having a brain fart trying to say because she she words it so beautifully. Like uh, everybody has a particular thing that they're you know really not passionate about, but like knowledgeable about when it comes to like f- foods from around the world. And hers is spice, and yeah, she. And I love spice. Yeah. So, yeah. She, it's interesting. She wasn't. She wasn't the host in season one. I think she became the host in season two. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been fun because I have a friend who's a big Top Chef fan, and I've been like DMing him like after every episode, just like, oh, can you believe this happened? And he's so nice to like <laughs> pretend like he's back fifteen years ago with me and, and talk about <laughs> the show. So, and I will do that for somebody with Survivor. By the way, if you decide to binge Survivor, I will totally be that guy for you. Uh, what do Somebody, you got? Richard, what? <laughs> you stuck to the back. I know, right? It's crazy. Uh, Lo, what do you got for your buried treasure? Well, I was in such a musical mood. Figured I would go with a musical I've been digging lately called Six. Um, it is about the six wives of Henry VIII. And it is, it's fairly new. It, I think it premiered in the West End in 2018. No, 2019. And it just had started previews, so not technically premiered on Broadway when we had to go into crazy lockdown stuff, and now I think its technical premiere is going to be March, 
provided it can open <laughs> by then, yeah, um, yeah. tentatively. Um, but it is set. It's only like an hour and 15 minutes. It's a very, very short musical, one act. Um, and it's set as a rock concert. The Six, wi- or the, yeah, the Six Wives of Henry VIII, kind of sort of in the afterlife, sort of you don't really question why they're all alive together and, and talking, are just kind of, <laughs> are kind of comparing their, like, who had it worst with him and and it's set as a rock concert and they're all they're all like well i'm gonna sing my song and show you why i had it the worst no 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 i'm gonna see and they're like arguing about who had it the worst and it's fun and sassy and it's all women including the band that is on stage with them are all women and it shows a really fun way to look at history kind of in the vein of hamilton without being the exact same thing as hamilton obviously but it's a you know, the soundtracks on Spotify or wherever you consume music from, and I would highly recommend it. Where where can you see it? Because once I heard the premise of this, I have to find it now. Uh, well, visually, you know, it's it's on it's on Broadway, so Oh, it's still fairly yeah, new. Yeah, it premiered in twenty nineteen oh. and and then twenty in the West End, which is in London. That's like their Broadway. And then it moved to yeah. Broadway this year, but didn't really get the chance to premiere. Um if you are not opposed to slightly illegal things, you might be able to search <laughs> on YouTube, and there are quite a few bootlegs of it. But I'm not suggesting that you do that, nor that I have ever done that. No, I have. I like how low. Uh, whenever she goes talking about illegal things, the first thing she goes to is YouTube. <laughs> I mean, there are there are other places to find it, but it's it's so prevalent that you can just find it on YouTube. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. We did it, guys. Uh, we managed to do a super-sized edition of Sif Pop. Well done. Uh, Hamilton, yeah. Hamilton will do that to you. Because um, honestly, none of us were going to throw away our shot. I mean, it just it wasn't, wasn't <laughs> happening. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media. You can also search for Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for putting the show together. Thanks, and, Phil. And thank you so much to Lo for coming by Woo! again. Woo! Uh, we appreciate you. I am always uh, willing to wait for it. Uh, for my next time <laughs> <laughs> to come on the show. Uh, tell me and all of us again about uh, what you're up to these days, where we can find you. Uh, mostly my Twitter, at the curious low, um, L-O as in shortened for Lauren. Um, it is uh, it's where I hang out most of the time on the internet, and if I'm doing any other sort of various things including this podcast that's where i would promote it um but most recently been promoting our new DD streaming uh twitch channel rolling the flag that's uh my my newest things very nice uh so yeah check out rolling with lag or give her a follow at the curious low on twitter much love and gratitude to our sif pop members for giving monthly to make sif pop a real thing support starts at three bucks a month you get access to all those bonus episodes as well as some other fun perks. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash siftpop. 
Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to comment, rate, leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, email us if you want, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than repeatedly drowning for 500 years. We'll be back uh, next week. I think, with uh, some more movies. There's more movies and stuff coming out. And, of course, we'll have spoilers for The Old Guard coming up in your feed next. Bye. 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 If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.